Let's go, baby. Welcome to the Athletes and Asses podcast. I'm your host, Noah Lack, and I bring on elite athletes to chat about a business topic. Whether it's venture capital, retail, sales, crypto, your favorite athletes know a lot more about business than you think, but how would you know that from just watching mainstream media? You're going to learn a topic of business here, but you're also going to learn a lot about the athletes themselves. Tune in. Please like, subscribe, give us a follow, because we're bringing the heat. Let's get it. I'm going to play, I'm going to stack up a big stack of cash, and then once it's all said and done, I'm going to ride into the sunset. I'm going to you know, hang out on the boat. Sounded great until I got to this point now. That doesn't sound as fun as it once did. Like, I need to do something. Let's go. This is another episode of the Athletes and Assets podcast. I'm joined by MLB All-Star pitcher Trevor Rosenthal, is currently a free agent in H-Town, Houston, Texas. Shout out Houston, um, and and uh, thanks for representing us there. But we have to skip the small talk because I need to know who is the most intimidating hitter that you've had to face? Oh, yeah, we're jumping right into it. That's a, that's a common question. Um, so I, I would preface it by saying with my particular arsenal, so I'm a hard-throwing pitcher, high-velocity, and what you would normally think as being the most intimidating guys, like the, the big, strong guys that, you know, are, are cranking balls out of the park, those are usually the ones I fare the best against because they, to, to catch up with my speed, you got to shorten up a little bit and, and have a little bit different approach to put it in play. So the guys that give me the most trouble are the ones who are pesky. It's like the, the little pesky second baseman who's just trying to stick the bat out and poke it the other way. And, and for whatever reason, those, those little singles uh, that they, they shoot through the, the second base gap are the most frustrating for me. So I don't have one particular guy. I mean, I've faced so many talented players, um, but I, I always am, am challenged by the, 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 the guys that you don't expect. Okay. Okay. Any, any shout outs, any, any players you can name specifically, can you give them that much credit by saying their name on here? Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, well, being in the NL central for the majority of my career, a hall of fame player, Andrew McCutcheon, uh, when he was with the Pittsburgh pirates. I, I played with him in Milwaukee for a little while. Amazing guy, incredible player. Um, but he, yeah, he, he was, he had the good balance, right? And I think that's what makes him a hall of fame type of player is he's, he's got the power, but he also has the balanced approach to, to put together a tough at bat and, and just focus on putting it in play when he needs to. So he's okay. gotten me a few times for sure. Okay. Oh, shout out Kutch. Shout out Kutch. Hopefully get him on the podcast and, and, uh, talk about that, how tough it was hitting your pitches. <laughs> um, <laughs> But man, thanks so much for joining us, Trevor. You uh, let's give like a little Trevor Rosenthal say the union. You're here in Houston, currently rehabbing. Can you tell us how that process been and and uh, when you can expect to to be back on the mound? Yeah, man, it's uh, you know life is good. We're very blessed to have an awesome family. Uh, we just moved into the Houston area. My my three daughters are are amazing they they amaze me every single day my oldest daughter is doing really well with her gymnastics she she loves to do gymnastics she's training actually at um, a gym here in houston that simone biles trains at and so her influence uh has been really monumental for her development and, and just to see a person of her character but um yeah just doing the work for my rehab 
looking to get back on the field in competition uh, June of 2024, which is is approaching every single day. And uh, and then what we uh, we're hoping to talk about some more here on this show is uh, this this uh, affinity for entrepreneurship and, and yeah in business that I've I've been growing since I guess like the best almost four years now. Yeah. No doubt. Well, first of all, I, now I realize why you moved to spring. Cause like, isn't there like a big gymnastics set? I, Simone Biles is from there. I don't know if the gymnastics training facilities over there, but is it, it's presumably by spring. Yeah. So with the house that we bought in spring is maybe two miles from the facility. And okay. something that we didn't know when we bought the house is Simone is actually one of our neighbors. Uh, so that was un- unplanned. But wow. we've gotten to know her and her her husband is actually from uh, St. Louis. He's an NFL player, but amazing people doing awesome things and uh, fortunate to be around them. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Well, Trevor, let's talk business, man. Let's talk business. All right. You're here. You're on the couch. You're not doing shit. No, I'm kidding. Like you're, you're just, <laughs> you're, you're kicking back, rehabbing. Man, that can run your mind crazy, right? Like what, you know, aside from baseball, um, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel, as you alluded to off air. Maybe, I hope you play as long as you can, but the time might be coming soon. Um, where's your head at, man? Like, what, what are we doing after uh, baseball? Yeah, I, I would say going into my baseball career, like it was, it was 100% baseball. And the plan really was, I'm going to play, I'm going to stack up a, a big stack of cash and then once it's all said and done, I'm going to ride into the sunset. I'm going to, you know, hang out on the boat and, and enjoy life, play golf every single day. And, and that's going to be it, which sounded great until I got to this point now where I'm 33 years old and the light is approaching at the end of the tunnel. And I'm, I'm just realizing that doesn't sound as fun as it once did. Like I need to do something. Um, and part of that really yeah, you're gonna get you, you just you just just kick it on the boat. You're gonna be bored, man. It, I don't it, think you could sit still. Exactly. I got too much energy, too much, too too many uh, influential people in my life that I also think wouldn't let me be comfortable with that with with living my life that way. Hmm. Yeah. Where where would the where's this boat at? Just so I can cover my bases here. No pun intended. The uh, like theoretically or actually. Do you have a boat or, or is this I theoretical? Have, I do have a boat that I, that's like a lake boat. Um, oh, it's a like, lake boat. For like water sports and stuff. So, okay. Yeah, well, so lake. I have a boat, but you know, the, the thought was like, like, you know, a big boat on the ocean, cruise around. Um, yeah, that's but where, but where's the lake at? Where, which lake are you, is the boat at? Your current lake we boat had on. It, we had it in Florida for a while. We had it in St. Louis. Um, there's some awesome lakes in Missouri. And now now my boat's down here in Houston and I haven't had a chance to uh, explore any lakes in Houston. So I'll, I'll, you know, if you have any recommendations. Well, I was yeah. gonna say, uh, I do have a couple of recommendations. I don't know if you wanna take them, but you know, there's always Kima. You could always go down to Kima and Galveston and put your boat, uh, you know, in the Gulf. Um, you well, can't really of boats, we're going on a, we're going on a cruise for Christmas, actually a Disney cruise out of Galveston. So that'll be my first experience on a, on a cruise ship. Oh, nice. That'll yeah. be fun. I'll be fun. Yeah. I ask, I ask where, um, you know, the lake is cause you could, you could 
plot some moves on that boat, man. I mean, like, what are we, what are we thinking about, uh, you know, otherwise, right? Like, what, like, you know, you get, you get shown a lot of awesome things. I think as a professional athlete, I'm sure, you know, you've had things have come across your plate from like investing in CPG stuff to like real estate, or maybe you've, you want to open your restaurant or you could be like truck Brian and start your own cleaning company and make like a lot of money that way. I mean, you know, what have you at least flirted with? I mean, you don't have to have a definitive like direction, but be curious to think like there's got to be something that you've explored a little bit. Yeah, there's there's so many things. I would say my interest was first peaked through a relationship uh, with a with a friend who founded a business uh, that operates in St. Louis, Missouri, which is uh, health and wellness supplement type of, of business. Oh, um, nice. And when, when I first met them, I had no idea what business even meant, what it entailed. I was just, you know, playing baseball, working out. This was in the, when the, this was in the beginning of 2020. Um, started hanging out with these guys, incredible people, treated me like family. Um, and then the more I hung out with them, the more I was realizing, one, they're incredibly successful. Two, they're normal, just like me. But they built this this massive business, this empire, and they've uh, done it in a way that I see a lot of the same skills and, and attributes that I've I've developed to be a professional athlete. They've they've modeled those in their business. So um, I would say that's where my my interest was first peaked. Of like you know the 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 work I've done, uh, everything I've accomplished, I might be able to transfer that into a, another career outside of baseball. Are you, uh, I mean, you're 33, but you look like a really young guy. Are you on that Brian Johnson blueprint diet? You know, where like, like, he takes all these like supplements and like eats this like crazy diet that's supposed to do reverse aging? Um, I'm, I'm interested in that stuff. I, I, I was exposed to that really early in my career um, through, a, through a, uh, gosh, an Institute for Human Performance in, based out of St. Louis. And they did all that. So I, I you know, with being an athlete, you do all the blood testing and supplementing and uh, trying to keep your hormones and your body in the best shape possible. Uh, but now that industry is definitely booming. Yeah, I mean, there's a supplement for everything, man. Like hair restoration, muscle mass, immune system. It's all, it's all, it's honestly confusing for a guy like me. I'm a big like, let's just get like chicken and vegetables and, you know, water and good sleep and i think like that does it the trick for a lot of people um but you know we're in an age where there's a fancy toy for everything and so you mentioned health health and wellness um anything else that you've like taken a look at the most most recently so i i okay i'll backtrack a little bit so um after i met those guys I went through Harvard. Harvard offers a course for professional athletes where you oh, get yes. yeah. introduction into business. Um, so I'd go on campus, get paired with second year MBA candidates as mentors and basically get access to the program, sit in on classes and, and kind of see what it's all about. So that um, was the first step in my entrepreneurial journey. And that ultimately led me through to the HBS guide for entrepreneurship, which is a book from the Harvard Business School. And it really outlines the process of entrepreneurship through acquisition, or in other words, buying a company that already exists and then coming in and running it yourself. 
Um, mm, so I wow. thought that would be a great idea for a guy who doesn't have a lot of experience. I do have access to capital and I do have, um, you know, a, a few qualities that would be advantageous to implement right away into, into a business structure. Um, and then now more recently, I'm exploring uh, franchising opportunities, which in the same kind of regard of, you know, getting more or less a playbook, uh, blueprint and, and some guardrails in place that can help me take that first step into what right now is really just a, an unknown for me. Just a, just a St. Louis guy going to Harvard, man, you know, like the, I, did so you imagine, funny. did you think during the MLB All-Star game, you'd imagine in a couple of years from now, because of this experience, I'll be at Harvard. Like that's yeah. probably the last thing you thought about. The absolute last thing. I went to a, a junior college for one year out of high school, was drafted by the Cardinals from there. And ever since I was 18 years old, it's been nothing but baseball and physical training. So it is very ironic. And uh, some of my close friends uh, make me aware that I probably don't belong in any sort of Harvard educational <laughs> <laughs> Hey man, don't sell yourself short. Don't sell yourself short because um, I, that is, um, I didn't know Harvard offered that. Okay, a acquiring an existing, existing small business for you to sort of step in and run and help just pour gasoline on the fire and, and sort of elevate the, you know, the business. Um, fascinating. Uh, there is. You know, like, have you gone shopping, if you will, to, to you know, and explore like, what what's what could be this this purchase? Definitely, um, more so informally, uh, just browsing brokerage sites. I think uh, Biz Buy Sell is a popular one. Uh, there's a there's a few other sites like that that list business that, that are for sale. Uh, <laughs> I, I've also exercised my muscle of generating leads on my own just through uh, relationships. So if I meet a gentleman, uh, for example, I met a gentleman in St. Louis who operates a business. He's been operating it for 35 years now. He's about 70 years old. Uh, he has no wife. He has no kids. He has nobody to take over the business. And, um, and so I just created this relationship without any intention of really wanting to buy it, but just to see what that conversation might look like. And after about three months of, uh, just kind of, you know, generating this lead and cultivating a, a nice relationship. He, at the end of one of our conversations, offered to sell me his business, which was unsolicited Whoa. by me. So, um, yeah, just kind of, uh, like I said, like I, I've, I've generated some interest in this space and it seems like the momentum has just been, been building. So for me, I'm just, you know, right, right in the wave as long as I can. And, and I'm sorry, what, what business was that gentleman in? So this business uh, is a is actually a gymnastics, uh, a, a, like a kids. Okay. Gymnastics, but the the model much different than like a Simone Biles gym, where that's a little bit more elite. Like we're really going after quality over quantity. He had always structured it um, more for generating profit and, and being like a a revenue producer over anything. So he has a bunch of locations and really dominates that that market. Okay. I wonder what, yeah, what are the profit margins on a gymnastics gym? I mean, yeah. like, is it like a normal gym where, you know, you pay a membership, a monthly membership fee to 
get trained or at least use the the balance beam i'm probably the worst person to yeah like i know the least about this it's it's interesting because if you just spend some time around them they're always busy they're just cranking people in and out all day long every day of the week and the really good ones have a ton of different layers of options that you can do you know anywhere from like a team gymnastics to um recreational just calisthenics space they have even uh, for boys, they have like ninja ninja classes and, um, you know, cheerleading, anything. Like, so they, they really just kind of stack on the options. And, and when you start to, like he did, like this business owner looked at it as a profit per square foot, all the square footage in each facility, he wanted to maximize the revenue production um, available. Yeah, no doubt. Have you checked out microacquire.com? Micro? Microacquire? I haven't. Okay, so um, damn, they should pay me for saying this because I just talked to someone from there. But like, it's a website where you can look at a bunch of small businesses for sale. Um, and when I launched Athletes and Assets, someone from MicroAcquire DM'd me and was like, "Hey, you want to buy like this like newsletter?" Um, and I I went on it and I was like, "Damn, like this is a very successful." Thing for sale like they have some stuff they have some good stuff right. um so, so check out yeah check yeah. out micro acquire you might be surprised um but you're on the hunt man on the hunt for uh a small business looking for you to run i mean you never know right like i you might have this assumption that it would be more exciting for you to run you know x type of small business with someone but i don't know something something might jump out and surprise you man like, yeah, I think like like that that book outlines it, it really structures it into more of like a formal process where they suggest, you know, you, you have a you have a just this really fine tuned mechanism of basically sitting down each day and you're going to your goal is to sift through anywhere between a thousand and fifteen hundred businesses every single day. And maybe a handful of them are ones you're gonna dig deeper on. So you're, you're Hell really like, no. Yeah, you're really a like, thousand businesses a day, dude. Get out of here. We're not going through a thousand you're going through a thousand businesses a day. <laughs> so it says I think the the reason it puts it in that in that structure is to really have like a small, finite, like a really well defined, finite list of um like things that you're looking for in that business. And so it has to check off the box on each one, whether it's like location, um, you know, the sale price, the, the, you know, what type of profit margins are, are it's generating the cash flow. Like, so it, when you narrow it down, I think that's where it becomes hard to like identify the one that you're looking for. And as a, you probably are aware there's a lot of competition in that space. It's like that's kind of like the the trendy thing is like, oh, I'm gonna go and buy a business from a retiree and like that's gonna be my cash flow for the rest of my life. Harvard per usual doing the most, man. Like, uh, do they make you go through a thousand businesses a day or they were just strongly suggesting it? Like what was part of this curriculum? So the curriculum didn't touch on that. That was more of the book. The curriculum- The book itself, okay. Yeah. I'm interested in the book. Yeah, there was just like a bunch of different classes that obviously the students in the in the MBA program have the option to to take. And there were some that were interesting, interesting to me. One that was really interesting uh, was like a concept of, of just branding, whether it be business branding, self-branding. Um, 
and they're, the the Harvard model, like they do a case study model, where they'll bring in an example that's of somebody in the past, like basically take a snapshot of the situation that they were in at that moment in time, give you all the details, and then leave it kind of open ended of like, okay, now they're at this point, what would you do if you were them? And then the class, you know, has a discussion, comes to a conclusion, they they talk about it. Um, and then often, more often than not, the cool thing about Harvard and their their uh, their name is they're able to actually bring that individual into the classroom and have a discussion of like, oh, this is what I ended up doing and why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You you're gonna walk in the classroom one day and be like, yeah. So you know, I went through a thousand businesses Monday through Friday, <laughs> and by fr- and by Friday, I, f- I found the one that worked. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Oh man. Um, but how many do you go through a day realistically? I'm like, I'm currently like not in that. That's what I'm saying is like, I am, uh, I think if like, you know, I knew I was done with baseball and I really was passionate about like, I'm going to find a business that is going to be the best possible business I'm going to, I can find. And I want to do this with it. Then I may, you know, might develop more of a formal process to that. Can I ask about price range? Like how much are we talking in terms of like what makes sense for a micro acquirer? Uh, how many how many people, like how big specifically it is a business? Like do you have these sort of guardrails in place? I mean, I'm, I'm curious I'm about price and size. Yeah, I think like acquisition price isn't as important as like the cash flow that the business is producing. Um, I think a business that has a minimum of 500,000 in recurring cash flow would be like a like kind of really pique my interest and then obviously anything north of that would be even more icing on the cake but the multiple that you're going to pay on top of all of that cash flow will increase i think as that as that number goes up so um you know i i think where i'm at i, I don't so much pay attention pay attention to the acquisition price. I think I'll be able to, uh, you know, get whatever type of funding or raise any type of capital, um, that I need in that situation. It'd be more so of finding like, Hey, like this is a very, very niche business in a very well-protected category that someone like me that has no experience could basically come in and have very low risk of messing it up. And then on the Mm. upside, if there's something that I really can figure out to help it, like maybe we can make it even better than it already is. The dream scenario for you, would would it be to partner side by side with the current founder of the company or sort of re, not, and I don't mean this in an aggressive way, but like sort of acquire it, replace leadership. You're like the face of the company. What, you know, what is the, the perfect scenario? That here. would be, yeah, some sort of, um, I don't know what the what what they the technical term, but like, like basically over time of like phasing out the current ownership to where the new ownership group can come in and and be more or less a partner and and get involved in the day to day, learn what's going on, learn the ins and outs, make the transition more or less seamless, um, but then put a little bit of incentive onto the previous group to where it's not like as soon as that 
that uh, contract is signed and before the ink dries, if the business goes to zero, they're walking away like, see you later. So keep them on the hook a little bit financially um, to where they're incentivized to make sure everything transitions uh, in a successful in a successful way. Yeah, no doubt. You know, I, I envision you buy, partnering or buying a profitable health and wellness supplement company. Oh, um, yeah. And the supplement company geared towards athletes or your everyday health and wellness, you know, fan. Uh, but it just feels, it feels like a fit right there. Yeah. Like, I, I think, I think you could be the, the Brian Johnson blueprint of baseball. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. I mean, it's such a, the health and wellness space, especially when you think about professional athletes is so much more tricky um, because as being a professional athlete myself, the market is very small. Like, you know, there's not as many MLB players as there are uh, soccer moms who want to like lose like 15, 10, 15 pounds. Um, so, but yeah. there's a lot of base, but there's a lot of baseball players, man. I mean, you got triple A, double A, A, oh. B, C, oh, yeah. D. I mean, you got the Savannah banana slugs. I mean, <laughs> They're dancing and stuff. They need some stuff to, they need some, I don't know what's in their water, but like, you know, they could use some extra stuff. Yeah. I think, uh, so I've seen a lot of supplement brands come in over the years, different ones um, that will use players more or less as marketing and, and do endorsement deals and have them advertise their product. And, and <laughs> there's still, there's today that none of those companies exist. They've all like gone out of business. So that to me is where like a red flag of like, okay, these guys haven't been able to make it work. Um, Sorry, on top the, of the that, supplement, the supplement companies? Yeah. The like two or three supplement companies that I've worked with personally who have come to me and other players and, and 10 years later, like they're out of business. So they weren't able huh. to sustain profitability, which yeah. Um, I, but, I, you know, there's, but I like once again, and I would say as a joke, but um, baseball at all levels, there's a lot of players. I mean, it feels like a bigger. If we're talking about one particular sport, baseball feels like there's more people to serve than other sports. Um, and not just baseball players maybe want it. Maybe other people want it. For sure. And I spend a lot of time thinking about that because you know my sphere of competence really is directed in 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 tr physical training and specifically with baseball. Uh, so trying to leverage that in a way uh, is something I think about, but. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. All right, like enough with the uh, the supplement fantasy. What, 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 uh, what else, what, like, what else would be a, a desirable company for you to, to uh, acquire outside of health and wellness? Well, the, I mean, Another example on just like going back to health and wellness, there's a franchise personal training studio that I recently looked at. And um, it, it's interesting, like going through the process of either like looking at businesses or looking at franchise models. A lot of the time I'm coming back to the conclusion of like, man, I could probably just do this myself without having to pay a franchise any royalties or any startup fees. Um, so even if I don't end up doing a franchise or end up acquiring a business, I think the process of going down those paths is also giving me a lot of information, giving me a lot of knowledge um, of how 
they have developed it, you know, those businesses. Um, yeah. And there's so much information available now where it's like, if, if you want to spend the time to figure something out on your own, like you can do it. Like the internet is just an endless wealth of, of tools to, you know, give you any information that you need. So I, that's what I've been doing in, in my free time. But you know, what's greater than the internet is the field, the arena. You Once you exactly. go in there and start franchising some shit, you're gonna learn more in a week than you probably did looking at, at people like me on YouTube. Exactly. And that's like the point I'm getting to. I've like kind of read the books, drank, drank the Kool-Aid, and now I'm realizing like, man, I just need to like, I need to get hands on and do something. So that's our goal. Like, that's our goal. We Like we said offline, we gotta, we gotta send me out into the uncharted waters after today you, a lot of theory now it's time to put it into practice mm -hmm. yeah no doubt um and franchising uh especially in a place like houston i mean it just feels like an endless place to put um you know build it like shops or whatever you're you're the franchise owner of so many different neighborhoods like yeah. it never ends um that's something that a lot of people in the south do i mean yeah i've, I've seen yeah, there's a yeah. there's a really cool concept. Um, it you've probably seen like the cold plunge and uh, how successful that that's been, and really the wave of attraction that it's gained. Um, there's a there's this model that I came across a franchise model um, where it's basically a recovery studio. So they offer modalities like cold plunge, sauna, light therapy, IV therapy. Yep. Um, a bunch yep. of different tools like that, where that's really piqued my interest. And that's something that I'm digging a little bit deeper into. That would be interesting. But you like, cause you know, we have all these legacy gems um, and I'm starting to see more different flavors of recovery within mm. those gems. Um, but there feels like a, the mark, there's a market still available for the even more niche, strictly recovery. Like I'm not going in there to to lift weights. I'm going in there strictly for cold tub, sauna, cryo. And it feels like that's popping up more. Yeah, I love the idea. And professional baseball has adapted that as well. Uh, when I first came into the league in 2012, um, those things didn't exist. Like more or less, it was frowned upon to prioritize your recovery. It was like, hey, rookie, like stay out of the, the training room to let the, you know, the old veteran guy get his massage. Like you don't, you have no business in here. So yeah. where now like they have dedicated spaces for the different modalities. Um, teams even have uh, nap rooms. Like you, they have full mattresses and blackout curtains where a player can go in and get some, get some shut eye if he needs to. Um, so oh, I that's agree. Cool. I think maybe, uh, an idea that I have to make it even more of a, a positive experience would be treating it a little bit more like a barbershop uh, where like you come in and like, you, when you go get your haircut, like it's the atmosphere, right? Like you get attracted to the conversation and the dudes that you see and it's just a whole experience, the TV's on the wall, whatever. Um, but instead of just having a, a dark room where everybody's quiet and you're getting in an ice bath by yourself, it's more of like, hey, like, what's up, dude? Like, good to see you. What's going on? And you get the, your recovery on. The, thank you. Welcome to the podcast, Trevor. That's <laughs> what I'm talking about. It's about time. Cold plunge community. Like, if oh. I'm going to... 
if I'm going to go five minutes in this just, just cold, barren thing, I might as well have a couple of homeboys that I recognize like who are doing the same thing. Like we're all going through it together. Um, and like you have these different circuits within the recovery place where it's not like individualized. We can all get like cryo or, or treatment together. Maybe there's music. Like the the, yeah. the people assisting are like barbers because like barbers don't shut up. No disrespect, I love my barber. Um, <laughs> but like you're onto something here, man. A little a little more community into it. Yeah, yeah, I agree because that's what I see. Um, I, so there's this this uh, this tool called a Normatec. It's a compression sleeve, so you can put. I I was a Normatec fiend, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So and it's awesome. But the best thing about a Normatec, in my experience, is they always put a chair in the training room and the chair is positioned in front of a TV and the TV will be playing a Netflix movie or, you know, what have you. And it's always like, oh man, yeah. I, I did all my work for the day. Like now I get to go watch a movie in this chair and just completely zone out. Uh, so like getting it toward that sort of vibe, I think uh, is what I had in mind and why, and why that business model in particular was attractive. And nor, yeah, and nor, you're normal in like in in the the relationship of this in the in this community thing. You're norm attacking in front of a bunch of other people instead of like vegging out. People are like seeking out the recovery versus when you do recovery, you're done from practice in the game. You're winding down, but people are you know could find a sense of community there and just recovery. Yeah. Yeah, whatever yeah. Your, you know your health and wellness routine is, and I think that's the popularity of those tools now is like you see Joe Rogan or Mark Wahlberg posting every morning, I do my cold plunge, I do my sauna, that gets my body and my mind right to go out for the day. So, um, I mean, it's it's a you know science-based. There's It's definitely got some merit to it. It's not just all fluff and nonsense, but um, I think yeah. you know, from an entrepreneur entrepreneurship perspective is like how like what problem am i solving with this and how do i position it properly to help the most amount of people if let me let me make sure so, so people know i have the mic um if you are a small recovery business out there and you need a partner to take your recovery studio to the next level franchise it spread it around in the greater southern area, or maybe we can take it to another geographical region. This guy, Trevor Rosenthal, <laughs> might be your guy. He just might be your guy. So, sorry, <laughs> sorry, I had to, you know, get that out for you. No, it's it's. Uh, I appreciate that. That's that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is great. Well, well, really appreciate you coming on, Trevor. Um, and best of luck in your rehab process. And um, where do you see yourself? in five years? Like, where do you want to be in five years professionally? Ooh, five years. I could be like, I feel like in two completely different places. I could, I feel like I could still be playing baseball if, the, if that, if that's a path I choose to go down. Um, or in five years, if I'm, I would imagine five years from now, entrepreneurship wise, I, I would have hoped to have assembled a decent, team like i think that at this point it's like i need a couple of people at my side um to help me really execute on the ideas or the adventures that i'm, I'm hoping to get involved with and um so i don't know like what's what's your been what's been your experience with that of like hey like 
I know you have a producer for the show. I'm sure you have a lot of other colleagues that you've worked with and developed relationships with. Um, I guess yeah. what would be your advice to a guy like me of like assembling a, a solid team? Wow. First of all, that's the first time a podcast guest has asked me a question. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, I was, I was. It's about time. It's about time. No, I appreciate it. Um, humbled that you asked me that. Um, obviously, I'm still learning, but you can't do it by yourself. It does take a village. And I think a lot of times professional athletes surround themselves um, with. Um, you got to separate church and state. A lot of athletes, particularly the bas- a lot of basketball players I know surround themselves with buddies that they grew up growing up and try to turn them into biz- their business partners. And a lot of times it backfires. It just doesn't work. You really have to be very objective in terms of what you're looking to accomplish professionally. And so, like, you know, everyone has to play a role around your stratosphere. Um, sometimes, like, if you, if you have a best buddy and he wants to manage your investments or he wants to help you buy... Um, the next business that you're looking to acquire, you know, is he qualified? Like, I know he's your buddy, but like, would he actually be help you be successful professionally? You got to separate church and state. And I think that's the first thing you should do um, because you will need people to, you know, take the fall for you at times. You need someone to like ba- play bad cop while you need to remain good cop because your branding will be important as long as you're playing. So the way to source that is, first of all, you it's, it's enrooted somewhere in your current network. Like you have someone that you know that could help you. Um, and you know guys like Jacob Turner, right? So like you're, you're directionally like there, right? Um, and then I think it really will become evident once you establish a clear interest. Like, what do you, like, we were kind of surface level on this pod. Once you really make the decision of like, you know what? I am going to be in real estate. I'm going to be in health and supplements. I think then it becomes a little easier to find who you are going to partner with because like, you know, if there's someone who is a, if you have a buddy who's like a medical care expert and you guys want to do tech investing, like it's just, his background, you know, won't match up. So versatility is important, but I think once you decide what you specifically like, the circle you'll surround yourself with professionally, I think it will start to to match up. That's great. I love that. No, I, you, you kind of, uh, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, um, being friends with guys like Jacob, being friends with guys like that, I, that I've become friends with in the uh, supplement industry um, I mean, my, my whole life has, I've been very fortunate to be surrounded by people who are making great, great decisions and, and really, you know, creating a legacy and, and impacting the people around them. So, um, that's something that I've drawn a lot of my, my inspiration from is, is just looking to those people around me and they're always a huge support, but, uh, I think, I think that's valuable, very valuable mindset to, you know, put in place of like, just because, I love this person or just because they're my homie, right? That doesn't mean we got to be doing everything together. Right? No, There's we don't. Time, you know? Especially if we want to make real money. I mean, we live, it's a capitalistic society, man. Like, yeah. there's no like pity. There's no like, I'm doing you a favor, but no, it's like, you have a family, you have three kids. 
Um, someone needs to be incredibly competent in whatever you're doing, and it needs to be about that. That doesn't mean you're a bad friend or a bad person. When it's time to go, go on the lake, on the the boat on your lake with your homeboys, drinking you know high like Bud Light and stuff. Like go do that, right? But like <laughs> when it's time to close a deal, you need some dogs with you, man. <laughs> like it's not yeah. like it's not a joke. So yeah, um, and it will. I think it sorts itself out the more focused and specific you become, you know, on on, on what you're looking for. Um, and yeah. that's like like talking about like building a team. So as a as a relief pitcher in baseball, you, you might be familiar, but we spend a lot of time out in the outfield in the bullpen, just more or less playing general manager and, and taking taking a, a critical analysis of everything that's taking place within the organization, that game, the team, other guys, moves, criticizing everything. Um, but that that thought process is one that I really enjoy. And I think that is transferable to like an ownership. And I view like the team building model is like being in the seat of owning a, a sports team of like, okay, like I need, like who I hire as the general manager to put the roster construction together. Like that's an important piece. You know, who, who we hire to do the marketing, who we hire to do the ticket sales, all the way down to the contracts that we're signing and the players that we're employing to ultimately be the product that attracts our, our customers. Um, those are all like the pieces that I've, my mind has kind of put together. And I think that applies directly to any, any sort of, uh, you know, capitalistic endeavor. Yeah, no doubt, man. No doubt. Well, I'm, I'm excited to see where you end up. Uh, we're going to have to have you back on the pod and like, six months or seven months from now or something like that. I don't know the specific time frame to see how your mind has shifted, you know, since this conversation, which will be fascinating. Um, yeah. But this has been um, a great episode with MLB pitcher Trevor Rosenthal. Trevor, man, thanks so much for joining us and, and best of luck moving forward with rehab and, and uh, selecting that business. <laughs> yeah, dude. I appreciate it. You're awesome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah.